Welcome back to the Disruptors Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Johnson. Forward Health is a heavily tech-enabled concierge healthcare provider that is reimagining the way that healthcare is provided. I've been a member for several years, and I routinely have used them as an example of how to create delightful customer experiences. There's no waiting room. You're shown right into the exam room. The physician isn't typing into a laptop, but is focused entirely on you. As you talk with them, the things that you say get automatically added to a giant custom screen in the room. Everything about it just feels better. So when Forward founder Adrian Oon agreed to chat, I was looking forward to diving into the mechanics of the concierge model and how he thinks about the patient experience. But what quickly became clear was Adrian's ambition goes far beyond simply creating a successful concierge business. His aims are nothing less than the complete reimagining of how healthcare is provided. And in this very colorful interview, we discuss Adrian's vision for Forward, why the current healthcare system is broken, and how he envisions the future to unfold. It's a fascinating conversation. I think you'll get a ton out of it. And with that, let's go to Adrian. All right, Adrian, thank you so much for doing this. I'm pretty excited for this one. I've actually been a patient forward for a number of years and found it to be a breath of fresh air. (laughs) So really looking forward to digging in. Why don't we maybe start with, I guess, what the genesis was of forward? Where did you come up with this? Yeah. Well, first off, I appreciate you supporting us. And we tend to call you members, not patients. I hate the word patients. Feel so so damn paternalistic. Yeah. So so a little like that that is where it came from. So so a bunch of years ago, I was working over at Google, you know, being over at the mothership. And frankly, I wasn't really paying attention to healthcare. Going about my my normal happy life, trying to change the world in all sorts of ways. And then what happened was my brother had a heart attack. And so all of a sudden I went from not paying attention to healthcare to being like overnight, like super laser focused. Yeah. And you know, you always hear about how healthcare is broken. You always hear like, oh, of course it's broken, blah, blah, blah. But but you never really super materially like think about it until it happens to you. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like watching every part of this. And like imagine, you know, in, in the modern era, in the year 2020, you're sitting there and you're like watching a doctor, the Harvard educated, Yale educated doctor in the year 2020, like sit over somebody with post-it notes and you're like, holy shit, how did we end up here? Like what, yeah. what is it like when I sit down to work? Right. I sit down at a laptop, which is like the sum culmination of all human advancement in this beautiful (laughs) two pound device. And when a doctor sits down to work, they start by pulling out, I shit you not, like a stethoscope, literally a hollow tube invented in the 1800s. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, this is entirely broken. And then it costs $100,000. I'm like, it's entirely broken and expensive. Like it's entirely yeah. broken and all the elites can afford it. There's there's almost 8 billion people on the planet and like what, less than 20% of them even have access to this garbage. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, how did we end up here? And what you realize is we ended up here fundamentally because technology has like never taken a foothold in the healthcare industry. Mm -hmm. And obviously we can spend some time talking about why, but I looked at that and I was like, this just has to change. This is absurd. And so that's why I said, okay, well, let's time, time to leave the mothership, time to leave Google and spend some of my life working on this problem. Turns out it's, turns out it's one of those meaningful problems that you get out of bed every day going, okay, like if I'm going to do something with my life, saving lives seems, seems like one of those things that might be worth it, you no? Yeah, yeah. So for folks that maybe are not familiar with Forward, I'd love for you to kind of explain what I guess the, the vision for it was. And there's a whole kind of UX, for lack of a better word, like in-person experience kind of element to it, which I, I'm sure is kind of what draws people in initially. And as you, I think you hinted at, it's very tech forward. But what was the what was the vision that you had in your mind when you set out to try to start building this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started by asking myself a really simple question, which is, 
what would I want if I were to just build the healthcare system today, right? And so mm-hmm. let's start by asking ourselves, what do we get? Not what do we want, but what do we get, right? So today, like, I don't know, when, I, when I've been at every employer I've ever been at, like every year somebody comes up to me and like, Adrian, time to get your flu shot, time to get your flu shot, time to get your flu shot. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I've always had this thought, like, again, I'm not the expert, but I always had this thought, like, I don't know, there's some big rash of people dying of the flu that I don't know about, right? Like, no, like, can you name a single fucking person who's died of the flu? Like, you can't, right? So why are they all hell-bent about the fucking flu, right? It's like, not a single one, not a single time have they come up to me and been like, Adrian, Time to time to talk about your cholesterol, time to sequence your DNA and talk about the cancers you're going to get. Because I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of people dying of heart attacks. I know a lot of people dying of cancer, but they don't give a shit about that. So I was trying to understand why. And it turns out that it's a really simple thing, right? It turns out that the, the average employee stays with their employer for about two years, maybe two and a quarter. So think about what your employer cares about when they're paying for your health insurance, right? If you get the flu, you're out work. Maybe you take some people out with you. So they're out some money. But you know that cancer, that heart disease, they don't want to know about it. Because if they know about it now, wait a minute, we're going to spend money to start preventing that thing that might happen in 20, 30, 40 years. So fuck that. We don't even want to talk about it. It's almost like, la, 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 let's not even think about it, right? And so what we've done is we've created an entire healthcare system that's literally focused on the short term. Like, let's just keep you healthy for the next like year. In fact, you know this because the last time you went to the doctor, think about what they said. You go for your checkup, right? And they're like, oh, you're healthy. Well, hold on, dude. What's my probability of death? 100%. What do you mean I'm healthy? Like, tell me what I should be doing, right? It's like, imagine if you were like, I don't know, if you were buying a house and the building inspector came, they inspect the house and you go, well, how's the house? Oh, the house is great. The house is perfect. 10 years Mm -hmm. later in a windstorm, the house blows down. You're like, dude, what the hell? You know, he's like, no, no, no. I meant it was fine that year. You're like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And so what we've done is we've created a healthcare system that doesn't actually care about life or death. It cares about like flus and rashes. And this is insane. Think about it. And the argument is that that is primarily driven because like it's always an incentive problem. But and you you often hear about like payer incentives and things like that. But it sounds like a lot of it is the incentives because health insurance, it's employer driven. You got it. This is literally the number one mistake we made is that you're not the customer. Your employer is the customer, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where we all went wrong. So the first thing that we did at Forward is we said, well, let's just get them out of the equation. Let's make you the customer. Mm-hmm. Now we get to ask, wait, what do you want? And all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. We got to deal with the rash. We got to get to deal with the flu. But can we go, can we move past that? Okay, can we yeah. go to the stuff that really matters? And you do care about your health. You know how I know that you care about your health? How many of your friends are, are literally reading shit like goop and, you know, drinking organic smoothies <laughs> trying to prevent cancer? It's like, yeah. we care about this shit. We just, we can't yeah. go to the doctor because the doctors aren't there for us. So we said, imagine if your doctor was actually trying to prevent cancer. Holy shit. You ever think about the fact that the first time you get a cancer doctor is after you get cancer? That's fucking insane. What if I put brakes on my car after the accident? That'd be, that'd be stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is what we do. We just said, what are the things that actually matter? Can we actually prevent the heart attacks? Can we actually prevent cancer? Can we actually like prevent mental illness? Like These are the things that we care about. And let's start working with you on that. And that's all, that's mm-hmm. all we care about. Like, that's what we're here for. And all of a yeah. sudden you realize, like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me the healthcare system isn't actually doing this? Well, yeah, that's the world that we've yeah. got in the year 2022. Yeah, that it's funny. That's I, I think I first heard about you all in a conversation with somebody just about 
like something as simple as like getting your lipid panel done with some regularity. And I think it was like a Tim Ferriss podcast where he was talking about how he does it quarterly. And I was like, that makes an awful lot of sense. And yet no one's ever suggested that. And I think that's kind of how I first heard about it. So then I come in though, and I just want to kind of get people to visualize it because everything about it is different. So like you don't have, first of all, you don't have a waiting room, which I, I used to tell my students at Kellogg that like, if you like this idea of like a key frustration and like one of the key frustrations is you have an appointment and then you show up and you have to wait for 45 minutes. You're seen immediately, which is pretty incredible. You come in and it looks like it's out of like an Ikea catalog, the exam room. The physician is looking at you, not sitting on a laptop typing into Epic or whatever the system is. You've got like all of your gear, you know, like your blood, thing, everything about it. Like you've. Yeah. So, so this is awesome. Okay. So. So we've got, we've got like this body scanner that takes all your measurements. We've got this touch screen on the wall with a model of your body on it. We've overlaid all the data and like yeah. your doctor can talk to it and everything. And, and yeah. so, so right after we launched, like 12 months into the company, literally from the day we started the company, 12 months in, we launched. And then I brought in the CEO of Kaiser and I gave him a tour and the dude goes, holy shit, this is the most advanced healthcare system I've ever seen. And of course, I'm sitting there with an ego the size of Texas and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm so smart. I'm so awesome. But at some point I take a step back and I'm like, wait, I've been working on this for 12 months. I have no background in healthcare. Obviously, it's not that I'm so smart. Something else happened here. Mm-hmm. So I start thinking and I'm like, wait a minute. Kaiser has a quarter million medical professionals. Why is it that Kaiser didn't build the body scanner? Why do they have 40,000 nurses doing what, what a body scanner could be doing? Like, why? Mm-hmm. And you realize, again, it's, it's all an incentive problem. So, so it turns out, this is going to blow your mind. It turns out that if Kaiser builds a body scanner, they make less money. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, it turns out that Kaiser, every time that nurse walks up to you and they, I don't know, put the clamp on you and take your height and whatever, they have a billing code. That's a billing code. (laughs) It turns out there's no billing code for a body scanner. They would literally make less. Think of how crazy this is, right? So they've got 40,000 people doing what our body scanner does like like that. So what you realize is at some point, it's like, just build the right fucking thing for the consumer. Just build for the consumer. So my favorite thing is exactly what you said. It's like you walk into the room and here's a screen and you can see your blood test. You can see exactly what they mean. You can go see it in your mobile app. And now, now you start to be like, wait a minute. It wasn't built for the doctor. It wasn't built for the employer. It was built for me. And that's, that's the whole idea. We've got, we've got this pretty cool, like little slogan on the, on the door. It says, it's like control the future of your health. And I don't know, you know, some people like build all these things out of research. We mostly did it. Cause I was just like, Hey, I just like, I'm a nerd. I just want to be able to like actually kind of engage my health. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the idea is when you think about what engineers had over the last 10, 20 years, like think about it this way. I was at Google. I was working on search, right? Mm-hmm. When I sat down to work, I sat down at a laptop and my tools were so amazing that I could write code that went out to 3 billion people later that mm-hmm. day. Like, holy shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When a doctor sits down to work, they can affect like what? Like at most one person in front of them. The tools suck. And in fact, yeah. when you sit down to, to work on your health, the tools are so bad, you don't even know what to do. Literally, yeah. you go to Google, you search, and you're like, ah, it doesn't make any sense. So we yeah. were just like, look, can we just be in the business of just making tools, tools for doctors, tools for our members, tools so that everybody is just like, I can engage my health. And the more yeah. that you can control your health, the better off that we're all going to be. Yeah. I would, ima- I would imagine that, I mean, obviously, it, it is surprising 
and pleasantly so for the member, not patient. But I would imagine that there is an impact too in terms of team satisfaction of, of your care staff and things like that. What have you seen in terms of, I guess I'd be curious, two things. One is how collaborative was the process of designing the visit with your care team? And then what have you seen in terms of increases or differences in satisfaction with your with your team? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So very, very collaborative. I mean, literally from from day one, the way we built forward was we actually got a warehouse. And inside of the warehouse, like 90 days into the company, we built a, I don't know, clinic. It's a fancy term for it. It was built out of foam core and two by fours, right? It was like no roof. It looked like a movie set. And we just, every day we like did appointments. We literally brought people in, did appointments. And then the engineering team, the operations team, the doctors would just get together and be like, what should we change, right? And we just mm-hmm. kind of every single day iterated on every part of it. And it was really, really fascinating because engineers weren't going to build the future of healthcare by themselves and doctors weren't going to build the future of healthcare by themselves. We actually had to learn to kind of like adopt each other's sides and each other's perspectives and even learn to communicate. And let me tell you, it was bloody. It was not, it was not a pleasant experience learning. So, so you can imagine, let me give you some examples. You can imagine, you know, after an appointment, an engineer, I had a 22 year old engineer walk up to a doctor and be like, okay, in your next appointment, try this. And that doctor, little kind of hoity-toity doctor, was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, they didn't yeah. say this. That was the look on their face. Like, I went to medical school. I'm a doctor. You don't tell me what to fucking do. But in the world of engineering, it's like anyone's an engineer. We don't care about your title. My mom can say she's an engineer today. No one cares. Right. Right? Right. So the first thing we had to decide was like, do we respect titles? And you know what? We decided at Ford, no, we don't respect titles. I don't care. You can have doctor. You can have engineer. You can have anything. Anybody can give an idea at Forward. That's it. Like we're meritocratic through. On the other hand, we also had to adopt the other side. So let me give you an example. Early on at Ford, we we were doing a data migration and an engineer came into a room and said, hey, I just finished a data migration. Another engineer turns and says, did you validate the data? And the engineer goes, yeah, absolutely. Checked it. 99% accuracy. And other engineer goes, sounds good. And then the doctors in the room all turn and go, wait, 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 99%? What about the other 1%? Because as a doctor, you're like, that's my patient, right? Like, like, yeah. uh-oh. Yeah. And immediately yeah. you realize, wait a minute, in healthcare, it's a little different. And so what we had to do was we had to really merge both sides. Now, once you bring those sides together, you quickly start to understand like, hey, this is how we innovate in the world of healthcare. This is how we start to bring it together. And what we have today is we have a, a healthcare system where we're innovating and iterating at an incredibly rapid rate. I mean, we're launching probably 100 changes to our system every single day. And that's what matters, right? The rate Mm -hmm. of innovation, the rate of learning in your healthcare system is probably the only thing that truly Mm -hmm. matters in the long run. Yeah. What kinds of things were you measuring when you're doing those fast cycle loops? Because it's not necessarily outcomes, right? Which is how I think a lot of the health system currently thinks with like value-based care and all that. Is it like (laughs) NPS or like, what are you looking at? Yeah. So we're always, so, so we always have four God metrics at Ford. Okay. We have three business metrics and one medical metric. So remember we're a subscription business. So any subscription business that you think about Netflix, Spotify, you name it, they always have three, you can go pull their 10 Ks. They always have three things they care about. The first thing is growth. Are we getting new members, right? Customers. Once we're getting them, the second thing they think about is, are we keeping them? So retention. Growth and retention. Okay, we're getting them, we're keeping them well, are we doing it profitably? So growth, retention, and economics. Those are your business metrics. That appears on the P&L. 
Yeah. But that's not why we're here. We didn't start this company because we like are trying to get rich, frankly. Like if I cared about that, I would have stayed at Google. I started this because I want to help people. It turns out outcomes is the thing that matters. But I always tell my team, you got to remember like capitalism doesn't give a shit about our mission, right? It's our job to map those outcomes into things that the business cares about. So that fourth metric is outcomes. So you're absolutely correct. We have to measure it. But you're never going to see on a PL outcomes that you it's mm-hmm. not it's not possible. You're not going to find the line item. And so yeah. what's really, really important for us is to make sure that as we're increasing outcomes, it is accretive to the business. Because we started forward with one simple mission. We want to build the world's most scalable healthcare system. We want to build healthcare that scales to billions and billions of people. That's that's the thing technology can give. We can give the world's best doctor to billions of people. I mean, that's insane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I came up to you and I said, hey, I want to get doctors to the middle of India, the middle of Rwanda to billions of people, you're going to be like, okay, Adrian, where are you going to get all these doctors and who's going to pay for them? Sure. But if I told you I want to get smartphones to the middle of India, the middle of Rwanda to billions of people, you're going to be like, well, of course you can do that. Like, Not only can you do it, I think it's already happened, Adrian. I think you're yeah. late to the game. So we only really have one key insight at Ford, right? And that one key insight is that healthcare should be a product, not a service, right? Like we realize that technology scales in a way that that humans don't or hardware and Mm -hmm. software scales in a way that doctors and nurses don't. So the more that we can empower our doctors and nurses with technology that scales, the more we can take the greatness of our doctors and we can distribute it out to billions and billions of people. Yeah. And so that's that's the mission that we care about, and that's what we measure every single day. Does that kind how do of make you sense? Look, yeah. How do you how do you think about outcomes in a like you're 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 moving away from like episodic, and obviously like if I have the flu or whatever, then I still would work with you. But your your mandate, yeah. or it sounded like your vision from the beginning, is like I'm trying to influence outcomes that aren't going to manifest for 30, 40 years. How yeah. do you? And it sounds like you also have embraced sort of lean, like rapid cycle time, all that kind of stuff. Like how do you marry those ideas with things that are such a, such a long-term goal? Okay. You know what I mean? Awesome. Awesome. You do this all the time. It sounds really hard, but you do this all the time. Let me give you some examples. Okay. If I told you that you want to run a two hour marathon, right? Mm-hmm. And you were two miles in, we would know if you were on pace for that or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can kind of check, am I on pace for something? So one of the things that was really funny is early on in our fundraising rounds, we'd go and pitch investors and we'd say, oh, and our retention is blah. I'm not going to give the actual number, but our retention is blah. And they'd be like, well, hold on, Adrian. You're saying your average member is with you for blah years. You haven't been around blah years. And I'm like, well, that's not the way the math works. Sorry, guys. Also, maybe you shouldn't be an investor. But you can tell because you can see how members are pacing, right? You can see how often people are calling out and you can see how they're pacing. Mm-hmm. And we can do the same thing, right? And so what you can do is you have leading indicators. So obviously the goal, the goal of forward is really simple. I'm going to get really nerdy for a sec. The goal of yes. forward is to increase qualities on this planet. Qualies is not the sexiest term, so I need a better slogan. But, which is why I say the world's best doctor for billions of people, because it's a better slogan. But yeah. the real, the, the, if you were a health economist, you would say the goal is to increase qualies. So qualies are Q-A-L-Y. It's quality adjusted life years. In other words, I want people to live longer, mm-hmm. but 
I want that to be like quality adjusted, which means if you're living longer, but you're like, I don't know, incapacitated in a bed, it's not as good as if you're like walking around, you know. It's the Peter Atiyah thing. You want them to stay healthy as long as possible and then fall off a cliff when it inevitably will happen. You got it. You got Got it. it. Except uh, we're not going to call it the Peter Atiyah thing. We're going to call it the health economist thing because he didn't come up with it. So I love it. it. Fair enough. Fair enough. um, uh, (laughs) Yes. I hope he's not taking credit for that. So, so that's what we want. So now you got to ask yourself, well, what are things you can do? And you can, well, you can do is you can measure the leading indicators. And there's mm-hmm. tons of obvious ones, right? There's some that we know well, and there's some that we don't know well. So let mm-hmm. me give you a really simple example. If your cholesterol is high, oh man, that's a really good signal that we know today. On yeah. the other hand, there's other signals that, you know what, we haven't really discovered incredibly well. So let me give mm-hmm. you an example. If you're hunched over, like you're, you're slightly hunched over by a little, the latest research is, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that indicates something, right? Mm-hmm. But, but you know what? That the world is still collecting data. We are others, like everybody's collecting data. Like the data is not as strong there. But the thing is, when you look at this, we are in the low hanging fruit phase of healthcare, right? Get everybody's, mm-hmm. get everybody's cholesterol to a good place. You don't even need to do the fancy shit. I like to tell people like healthcare is not in the self-driving car phase. We're in the cruise control and seatbelts phase. You know, when everybody's wearing their seatbelts, then we can go talk about all the AI sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is, so this is what we want to do. If we can get, if we can get everybody on the planet, billions of people to have access to care and manage their cholesterol, you've already moved the planet's life expectancy by years and years. That would yeah. be amazing. Right. And think of how it's like basic and simple. You said something earlier that just like, like in some ways embarrasses me for the healthcare system. You said, well, nobody like nobody's ever really thought to remind me to like check my lipids. It's like what? What yeah. we've known this for like yeah. decades upon decades as the most basic thing. It's like telling yeah. you it's like no one's told me to put turn on my headlights when I drive at night. Huh. Yeah. It's like really dude, we're fucked. Like that's yeah. bad. And yeah. that's that's what we're setting out to do. Let's start with the basics and then let's go to the fancier stuff. Got it. Several of my friends are are also members and you know, Thank we, you. we do a lot kind of in the healthcare community and things like that. It sounds like from what I understand, concierge medicine partially is a way to not have to do, I didn't want to have to deal with payers anymore. I don't want to have to deal with some of that stuff. It's a more profitable way of operating, blah, 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 blah. Where, where it seems like forward is kind of one of the ways it seems that you're different is that it almost seems like an Elon Musk master plan type of model where like right now it's kind of concierge and like you have to acquire a certain type of customer with a certain type of socioeconomic profile. But if your plan is to kind of have diffuse it, it's like right now I'm experiencing the Model X version of forward or the Roadster or whatever it is, but you have a vision that this thing diffuses through the market and becomes palatable and cost effective for everybody. Like how, how do you see that master plan kind of unfolding, I guess? Well, you could start working at Ford tomorrow. So you definitely know what we're doing without question. So first off, I'll say it again. I didn't start Ford because I'm trying to like, if you want to be totally honest, I didn't start Ford because I'm trying to help rich people in New York and SF. Right. I want to get right. Ford to the middle of India and the middle of Rwanda. Right. And yep. like, if you want me to be totally honest, we're going to either get healthcare to a billion people who need it the most, or we're going to leave a huge crater of destruction in our path to do so. There's no <laughs> like, I just, like, I do not, like, we're not going to settle in middle. So here's the deal. 
So it's easy to look at something like this and and forget that like well the first the first iPhone was eight hundred bucks now in the middle of India you can buy a smartphone for twenty bucks or Elon's yeah. like oh, I'm going to solve climate change here's a hundred forty thousand dollars sports car and you're just like scratching your head and you're like what are you talking about and now there's a thirty thousand dollar car and just give them another ten years there's going to be a ten thousand dollar car so you're yeah. right so the whole trick for us is what I mentioned earlier right in essence what we're doing I'll just give you our entire our entire strategy it's really simple yeah. we build a doctor's office. Then we watch everything happening inside the doctor's office, and we're just slowly but surely moving everything happening inside the doctor's office from humans to technology. So you come in, you, talk, you sit in the exam chair, you talk to your doctor about the flu, and then we go, well, wait a minute. Why do you even have to do that? Why don't we just yeah. build the flu into the mobile app? Next yeah. person comes in, they talk to their doctor about their skin issues. We build a skin scanner. Next person talks to their doctor about their heart issues. We build a body scanner. Slowly but surely, what you, what you realize is we're just making everybody more efficient. We're making our doctors more efficient. We're making you more efficient. Everybody's happier. Now, all of a sudden, our doctors could be like, wait, now I'm dealing with the stuff that's really interesting. I'm not dealing with Sean's flu because who the fuck wants to deal with his flu? You don't, you're yeah. not like, oh, God, I need to see a doctor for my flu. You're like, just tell me what to do. Like, tell me what meds to take. Like, this is going to take two seconds. Now we're yeah. saving our doctors for like the, the tough stuff, the, the cancers, the heart diseases, the stuff that really matters. And what we've done is we've just made our system like vastly vastly less expensive, vastly more efficient. And this mm -hmm. is the whole ball game. If I can make it more efficient, I can make it cheaper, I can get it out to the masses. So mm -hmm. in concierge care, the whole shtick is really simple. I'm a doctor and I'm gonna have like 50 patients. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna ask the opposite question. What would it look like if your doctor had 5,000, 50,000, 500,000? In fact, what would it look like if your doctor had 5 million patients? So in healthcare, we look at it and we go, no, 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 I don't want my doctor to have more patients. My doctor is going to get worse. But now let me ask you this. If you had an iPhone, do you want all your friends to go get the iPhone? Of course you do. Your iPhone gets better with scale. Right. Why? Because right. it's a product, not a service. Mm -hmm. So if we made healthcare a product, not a service, you'd be glad for all your friends to have it because immediately you'd go, wait, this is going to get better with scale, not worse. Mm -hmm. So let's create the healthcare system that gets better with scale. That's our whole vision. You've been able so far to avoid, it seems like, for the most part, dealing with payers and a lot of the things that kind of would slow other people down. In order for you to kind of re fully realize your vision, do you end up needing, like, like what are the points, like I would imagine, so for example, um, capturing data in an EMR that where they could, if for some reason somebody decided they wanted to move to a different position or whatever, like it's in or it's portable or whatever it is, their health ID or health records or whatever, dealing with payers, dealing with Medicare, all those kinds of things. Like it seems like at some point you have to intercept, start intersecting with these. No, no. How are you so able to avoid that kind of in perpetuity? Yeah. 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 So let's ask ourselves a simple question. Okay. It's easy to forget this world. But when the first iPhone came out, it had super bad reviews. I, yeah. And like, nobody believes me when I say this, but it really did. Go Google it. And yeah. the reason it had super bad reviews is because it was called the walled garden. Why was it called the walled garden? Because before my iPhone, I had a GPS unit from Garmin. I had a Walkman from Sony. I had a digital camera from Nikon, and it didn't work with any of them. Now, mm -hmm. why didn't it work? Well, Apple was like, no, fuck you. We're not going to go work with these things. And why did Apple do that? Because Apple was like, no, 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 we got this whole app architecture thing, and we believe yeah. in apps as the future. But this yeah. fell on deaf ears because everybody was like, what are you talking about? There's no app store. And Apple's like, yeah, yeah, in their arrogant way, yeah, yeah, give me, give me a few, give me a few minutes. 
Well, you know what? Then they launched the App Store. And if they had integrated with all those devices, then nobody would have gone and built the new apps, right? There would have been right. no incentive. So instead, Apple was like, we're going to create the App Store and everything's going to move over. Now, it took 15 years and everything's moved over. Not everything. You still have car keys. You still have a driver's license. But those are moving over like basically this year, right? Yeah. And yeah. so like 15, 16 years in, we've created the new world. So now yeah. ask yourself something else. What would the new world look like if everything moved over? See, the point of Forward isn't just to build primary care. We want to rebuild the entire healthcare system from the ground up. We want to do open heart surgery. We want to deliver babies, oncology, pharma. But we want to do them as a product, not as a service. So if I start integrating with Mount Sinai and Sutter and all this crap, all I'm going to do is I'm going to reinforce the old world. If I integrate with the insurance system, the payers, Medicare, I'm going to reinforce the crap that we have. And this, none of this should exist. It all needs to go down, frankly, in a flame of glory. Like it is crap and we have to yeah. stop accepting it. Think of what you're, what you're getting today. 20% of GDP is the healthcare system, 20%. And let me just add, so that means, let me make it really visceral. 20% of your paycheck is going to the healthcare system, okay? Now, let yeah. me just ask you a really simple question. What are you getting for it, okay? <laughs> yeah. What you're getting is literally, if you don't go to the doctor, this simple question, if you don't go to the doctor, if you don't go for your annual checkup, are you immediately like if one of your friends comes up and says, I didn't go for my checkup this year. Do you go, oh, fuck, poor Johnny. He's going to die. No, you go. It doesn't make a difference. So 20 yeah. percent of the guy's paycheck and he gets literally nothing for it. This is the healthcare system that we have. I, it's all got to it's all got to go. It's yeah. crap. And obviously, the, the team that you have presumably are, are all believers but have you seen anything in terms of kind of your interactions with folks that kind of that are in the healthcare community that 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 maybe want to join forward and things like that when you start to talk about your long-term vision of like I want I want you to be able to serve 5000 people or 50000 people or whatever it is like you're bumping you're breaking a lot of mental models I think probably for people that are in the industry and people who spent you went through medical school and did all those kinds of things like what have you run into in terms of either and like anything, I'm sure there's there's laggards and there's early adopters and all that kind of stuff. But like, what have you seen in terms of breaking those mental models for your care staff when they come into Forward or when they're thinking about joining Forward or, or it, it, does it happen immediately and they just get it right away and they're like, I'm in? Or has there been some preaching that yeah. need to happen? One of the things that I find is it really all comes down to what's the person want. Okay. Yeah. So. The thing that we, the thing that, ah, here it is. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. It's Upton Sinclair. So here's what I have found is when you have the only time where we have found people who like really don't want to buy into Ford are the people who have a lot of money riding in, yeah. riding on Ford, not succeeding. In fact, I was on Twitter. I really rarely tweet. It's like not my thing. But I was on Twitter some number of months ago and I was like engaging with some doctors randomly. And I was talking to these doctors and I was talking about like the cost of healthcare. And I said, well, actually, it turns out like one of the most expensive costs is the labor. And I and I said labor referring to doctors. It's an economic yeah. term. And yeah. I had 150 doctors just go, I can't believe you're calling us labor. I can't believe. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, of yeah. course, you're like, I'm labor, by the way. Like, that's OK. Yeah. Like, like, we're yeah. labor. 
you know, right. and they just beat me up and like, see, this is, and they actually tweeted to some of our doctors, see, this is what your CEO thinks of you. I'm like, yes, I think you're labor. You're also a human. You're also a doctor. You're also sure. named John. Like, you're like yes. of course I'm labor too. Yeah. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, and what you realize is, what you realize is what the person was really saying is like, don't come after my salary. And it's like, okay, hold on. Let's start by asking ourselves, like, who are we here for? And we know, so at Ford, we know who we're here for right? We are not here. So a lot of companies will say like our number one person we're here for is our shareholder. Like we're not, that's not why we're here. I'm happy to tell you that full stop. If you don't want to invest in Ford, don't invest in Ford. Some people are, will say we're here for our employees. Nope. That's not what we're here for. We are here for our mission. We are here to get healthcare to a billion people. We are here for the people on this planet who need us more than anybody else. And that's what we put. That's like, that's what we put in every problem statement that we do. Every, we call them jams internally. Every document starts with, this is what we're working on. And we ladder down from that problem statement down to how we do our work. And so when you start there and people buy into the, the reason we're working on something, then they all, then they always, almost always come to the same conclusion. But if they say, no, 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 I'm here because I want to make a lot of money. Okay, well, then eh, maybe you're not going to come to the same conclusion, right? Because we're misaligned to what we're trying to do, right? right? And so there's tons of people that that don't want to to go in this direction. And that's fine. That's totally fine. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the world does go in this direction because I think it's right for humanity. What have you learned about – I mean, it sounds like you're bringing a lot of the ethos of tech from like a – principles perspective, from an operations perspective into healthcare. What have you maybe seen or learned about just stuff that we take for granted, you know, like OKRs and or whatever, like, like what have you seen from like a management and or operations standpoint where you've tried to kind of take the tech or Silicon Valley or whatever you want to call it model and apply it to healthcare? Like what are some of the, the nuances that you've kind of run into in that vein? Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the things, like, let me give a, a few thoughts here. So that one of the things is I try not to think of us as a healthcare company as much as I can. And the reason is when, when people say healthcare, there's two elements there. The first is the healthcare industry. And I hate the healthcare industry. It's almost like, could you imagine if like, I don't know, Larry and Sergey were like, oh, we need to become experts on the Dewey Decimal System. It's like, no, don't do that. Just go build. Yeah, I had a whole list of questions about like working with, and I I just, I realized as we were going through, like you want to burn the whole thing to the ground. So like, there's, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Don't, don't learn the healthcare industry. So in fact, like, I'm going to tell you right now, if people who interview at Ford who are like, I'm passionate about the healthcare industry, we literally say like, okay, don't hire that person. On the other hand, when a doctor says, I'm passionate about healthcare, really what they mean is I'm passionate about helping people. And we love that, right? So it's almost like that word means two different things to two different people. It's like the MBA means the industry and the doctor means the person. I want to help people. Right. I want I I care about that kid in Rwanda or that kid in India who needs help. I don't care about the industry. I give no shits about that. Now, the second element that I think about that does matter, though, is there's 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 something about there's something about we are in a people business. And when you're in a people business, I mean this on both sides. Both in terms of, yes, at scale, like healthcare will be a product, but it's not a product today. So we have a lot of humans inside of Forward doing a lot of things. And that is hard, right? That's not easy. Getting a lot of people to do a complex amount of things and the rate of change upon which we are doing those things is very hard. So a lot of people come up to me. 
every time an analyst or an investor or whatever is looking at our company and they're like trying to figure out if the technology is going to do this or the business is going to do that, I always laugh because I'm like, ah, you've never, you've never run a company. It's like, you think the tech is the hard part? No, no. <laughs> Getting like whatever, 30, like 30 people in Nebraska to do something is hard, right? Yeah, the change management piece, right? Yes. Yeah. Humans are hard. Technology, I tell technology to do something, it does something. I tell a human to do something, 60% chance it does something. It's like a calculator that gives random results. Like humans are hard, right? Yeah. Like humans yeah. are complex, right? Yeah. Try getting a thousand people to move in lockstep. It's like not easy, right? Yeah. And so that's that's what element. And now trying to try doing that with our members is really, really hard. So that's the most difficult part, right? Like imagine you use the Tesla analogy, imagine going from your, your Model S to your Model 3 with your members, right? Like that's not, that's not easy, right? Yeah. And so this, this is the challenge that, this is the challenge that we have that in some ways it's like, but I'm dealing with your health. So you care deeply yeah. about it. You, it's an yeah. intimate thing that you're highly invested in, you know? So if I understand that correctly, what you mean is that like these early adopters came in and the technology is neat. It truly is. But part of your goal, in order to accomplish this mission, you have to progressively move from higher touch to lower touch over time. And so how do you guide those people who maybe joined partially because, hey, I can schedule an appointment for tomorrow and show up and I get somebody to see me and they spend an hour with me and they don't, they don't appear as though they have anything else, to, anywhere else to be. Like you're going to have to migrate those people over time to a kind of a different type of experience. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Okay. That's completely correct. But but the trick isn't to the trick isn't to go to somebody and be like now you can't see a doctor we'll never do that instead the trick is to go to somebody and be like and now I've built a better product yes you yeah. can come to talk to the doctor about your flu or here's let's get them to change their behavior get them to to buy into the idea of like hey you don't even need to come in yeah yeah, yeah. got it here's a better product every day and that's got not it. easy that's not yeah. easy yeah yeah along those same lines and there's so many Tesla parallels here in the sense of like you're you're picking a fight with a lot of people and they're pretty powerful people and they're resourced and all that kind of stuff. One of the ones that I would imagine you're going to, and I'm sure you're thinking about is like, you mentioned kind of speed of cycle time and like the way that you're iterating in response to data. And there's probably going to be, if there isn't already a heavy either machine learning or AI type of like component to this. And you see it right now with like the whole autonomous vehicle thing is like, we know We know it is a superior modality and it will dramatically reduce fatalities and accidents and all that kind of stuff. And yet that one accident that they had, like, is so disproportionately reacted to, right? Like you're going to be dealing with that five years from now, 10 years from now. How do you think about like, as you're these big milestones, as you kind of migrate towards this vision, like these fights that you're going to be having to deal with, like, how do you, how do you prepare for that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, so you're completely correct. You're completely correct because, and this is one of the really tough things, right? Is sometimes humans can't get out of our own way. Like we know, like every, like, I don't know if you saw, I think there was a New York times article this morning. It's like autonomous cars have caused 500 accidents. Like ignore the fact that, you know, non-autonomous cars. Compared to what? Exactly. In the the last 12 months. But yes, obviously humans aren't good at this. So, so there's, there's a couple tricks. The first approach that you should take is, and the nice thing about it is, 
In the autonomous world, their goal is to eliminate the driver. In our approach, like it's not to eliminate the doctor, it's to empower the doctor, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And this is actually one of the really nice things is if I can build tools to just allow that doctor to be more and more and more efficient, in essence, mm-hmm. just like a doctor can see like an insane amount of people while being safe, while being on top of their game, et cetera. Like, if you yep. actually take a step back and think about it, when you go to the doctor today, it's almost like you're free soloing El Cap. It's like that doctor has nothing. They've got no tools yeah. in front of them. You're talking to them and they're just like running the most yeah. complex mathematical calculations in their head. And all yeah. we're saying is like, don't do that. Yeah. Use the computer. And that makes yeah. everything better. So that's the first thing. The second thing is at some point, you know, society will develop. And obviously we do believe society will have autonomous cars and we do believe that society will use technology. Now, Mm -hmm. one of the things that people underestimate is how much people want technology. We think we don't, but we do. And so let me give you an example. Let's pretend you went to the doctor and the doctor, like, I don't know, looked at you and was like, oh God, your skin, like, yep, that's cancer. What's the first thing you say? You say, no, 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 no. Go run a test. Well, that test is technology, right? So you, you've actually become accustomed to believing that like devices and sensors and tests, like those things are actually more accurate than humans. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there's an element to which like it's actually a design problem more than anything. And that's on us to build well-designed products that, that mm-hmm. you know, consumers trust, et cetera. Yeah. And one of the mistakes that I think people make is to overstate what something can do. Rather than saying like, you do have cancer, you don't have cancer. I think that a piece of technology should say, here's what we know and here's what we don't know. And you know what? When your doctor says you have cancer, they're kind of lying, right? Because they don't know that. Really what they should say is, we think you might have cancer and here's some probability and here's the evidence we have. Because nobody knows 100% of anything, right? And that's actually like where technology can bring a lot to bear and say, here's what we know, here's what we don't, and we can go deeper in educating. And so, so I, I want to I bet on the intelligence of humanity, not yeah. bet on the stupidity of humanity. It's funny because like, it seems like the whole system is sort of like, you know, you're, you're in residency and you work 36 hour shifts or whatever it is. And like, we, we, so much confidence is in like the human. And yet we know like with the the whole books, like the whole, like the checklist manifesto about like the whole premise is that they miss stuff. And so like have the computer help me not miss stuff. Right. And help me not get things wrong. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. So like, all right, so we fast, let's fast forward 10 years. What you accomplish your mission. What does healthcare look like? It seems like it's more frequent. It seems like it, it, but less, you know, like what is it? What's the, so the first bad news is it's going to take longer than 10 years, but let's put okay. that you impatient child, you. Yeah. So, so let's start by asking ourselves, like, healthcare today is, is like, I mean, what does Ford build? Ford builds doctor's offices and we put doctors in them. But you know that healthcare for billions of people cannot have doctor's offices with doctors in them. Like, that makes no sense. It's not scalable. So what you yeah. quickly realize is that healthcare has to move to being this notion of, like, at some point, healthcare has to move to a notion of hardware and software more and more. Healthcare has to move to a notion of like almost distributed infrastructure. So ask yourself, what would it look like if healthcare was on every street corner? What would it look like if healthcare was all around us, right? Mm -hmm. Today, you think of, of, of healthcare as this thing that you engage with once or twice a year, but that's almost odd, right? It's like your body doesn't stop like once or twice a year. So let me just give you maybe some ways to think about it. What would it look like if healthcare was in every neighborhood, 
right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We went from banks to ATMs, and now finance is all around us. Well, why is healthcare not around us, right? In fact, we went further. After banks, we said, well, screw it. Let's start carrying credit cards in our pockets. And, and you yeah. can see we're at the beginning of this. We've got these things called wearables. But wearables... Yeah. Like, they're, they're so early. Well, why don't we go even further? Why isn't why isn't it in our body? Why you isn't it, it like literally monitoring everything that's going on inside of us? But actually, yeah. finance went even further than that, and they started to weave themselves into the very fabric of society. I go into a restaurant, and they they personalize the restaurant with my credit card. I I go to a website, they personalize the website with my credit card, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why when I walk into a restaurant is it not personalized with my health profile? Why is literally are they not like these are your dishes and these are your dishes, right? Why mm-hmm. when I go into a gym is it not personalized for my health profile? Like this is an odd notion, right? Yeah. In fact, yeah. you can imagine dating websites or job websites based upon my health profile. Mm-hmm. But you can even go further. These days, I literally have bank accounts running on the in like literally virtually running my financial profile, doing investments, doing all sorts. Why do I not have a health profile running a virtual me? Right? Why mm-hmm. is it not doing simulations of what I should be doing with my life? Like, like you yeah. can imagine that health should just become infrastructure that the world builds on top of. But yeah. but we don't look at it like that. We look at it that this weird episodic thing today, and I think that yeah. needs to change. So yeah. so a little that's where we want to go. I, I don't think that's going to happen in one year or two years, but I do think that in the coming decades, it's going to happen a lot faster than people think. It seems like implicit in that is that you can't, you can't work with like payers, for example, because you think of it like you're talking about incentive design. If I, if I, boy, if I had an embedded device that was predictive and, you know, could call out some stuff like I would imagine insurance companies would be the first people that would want access to that data and they would make decisions based on that and that kind of thing. So it almost seems like in order for you to serve the patient or remember long term, you can't work with them, right? Because it's almost like you're, 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 it's oil and water, right? If you're going to rebuild the entire, if you're going to reimagine the entire system, you have to rebuild the entire system. Yeah. So. You're right. We yeah. take the Tesla approach. We build our own hardware. We build our own software. We'll sequence your DNA. We'll process your blood. We'll we'll employ the doctors. We'll build the locations. We'll we'll run Ford University to retrain everybody and how to operate in our system. We don't work with insurance. We're we're happy to do it all. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're not happy. We're stressed and burnt out. But whatever, <laughs> we're gonna do it all. You're on a uh, mission. We're on a mission because it yeah. matters. Yeah, because it matters. Wow. wow. Man, well, I want to respect your time. This was even more interesting than I thought it was going to be. The current state of what you've managed to build so far is already pretty incredible. And to kind of project forward to a world where, you know, people who, who don't necessarily have like my level of privilege are able to experience that too, I think is really exciting. So congrats on your success so far. I can't wait to see what you continue to build. For folks that want to learn, I guess, more about Forward, it sounds like you're too busy building to be like sharing what you think about the world. But for folks that want to learn more, where should I send them? Send them to goforward.com. Okay. Goforward.com, learn all about us. Or, you know, you could tweet me, but I don't tweet. You're, you're not going to reply. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for doing this. This was, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. My guest today was Adrian Un. For more ideas on how to disrupt your own organization, visit us at manifold.group. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love a review on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.